0: And here we go, Luke chapter 24. Here's the resurrection story on that first Sunday morning. And the Bible says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. And they were perplexed about this, Two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and as the women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and the rest. Now these women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women who was with them, telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. They would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. This morning there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem, and that empty tomb speaks to us that we don't have to be afraid of death. That's kind of a big deal, people, that death has been defeated. I don't know if you noticed this, but... 10 out of 10 people die. It's the most recent statistics. Okay, Death is one of those enemies that gets us all. And by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that sets apart Christianity from every other religion on the face of the earth. Because this morning I could take you to Saudi Arabia, to Medina, and there is a tomb where the prophet Muhammad, the founder of the religious A group called Islam is there. He is buried. His body is in that tomb. We could travel this morning to the Shandong province in China. And there is the grave of Confucius where his remains are located. We could travel this morning to Sri Lanka. And there is a tooth of Buddha. A whole tooth. Because he's dead and he's gone. But this morning there is a tomb in Jerusalem that was borrowed for three days. And it is still empty. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, declares Jesus to be the Son of God. Nobody else has done this. Not only does it declare to Jesus be to be the Son of God, it says that you and I have victory over death. Fear of death is a real thing. By the way, we're all humans. We, we're, it's hardwired within us to, to uh, want to survive. And as we get older, we realize we're not going to survive. Listen, Jesus said, if you believe in me... You will live even if you die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And the fear of death, the Bible says, is something that holds us in prison our whole life. It's hard to enjoy the caviar on the Titanic when you know the ship is going down. But you don't have to be afraid of death. You've been set free from that, the Bible says. Why? Because Jesus, as a man, died and he rose forever, and he offers the gift of eternal life to those who put their faith in him and trust in him. And that is the good news this morning. That is the gospel, that when you hear this message and believe in who Jesus is, that he was God's one and only son, the resurrection declares that, who came and lived a righteous life on our behalf because none of us are good, at the core, yes, you have a good heart. That's part of you that's made in the image of God. But we also have evil in us. God lived a righteous life that you couldn't live. He died in your place. Christ died in your place, rose again from the dead. And when a time comes in your life where you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says God himself, his Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of you. You're given a new heart. And you're, and you're born again. Fear of death should be gone. If you're in Christ this morning, you will never die. Do you understand that? That's something to celebrate. You don't have to be afraid of death. And Jesus promised that eternal life and what waits us there is far, far better than anything we could possibly imagine. But I also want to say that so many times in Baptist churches, we make the gospel all about life insurance. Fire insurance, I should say it that way, right? Right? You know, that you got your ticket stamped and you're going to heaven. Listen, it's so much more than that. Because Christ came to live inside of you so that as you and I follow him every day of our lives, as you resurrender your life to Christ every day, as you allow him to be Lord, he's changing you and shaping you and giving you the abundant life that he promised. But it comes through following him every day. Now, That is not my message this morning. That's just kind of the appetizer. The main course, we're going to look right after this. Verse 12, there's a story that's found only here in Luke. And it takes place on the road to Emmaus. That very same day, two disciples who were there uh, when the women came back are going to take a journey and travel on this road. We're going to look at their story this morning. So let's read that. Verse 13, the Bible says, Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are all these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? I love this. And Jesus says, What things? And they said, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene. Who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we had hoped it was him who was going to redeem Israel. And besides all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. And some of the women among us also amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning. They did not find his body. But they came back saying that also that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said. But him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, "Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ first to suffer these things and then to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And when they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he was going along further, but they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting towards evening and the day is now nearly over and he went in to stay with them. And when Jesus reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us? While he was speaking to us on the road and he was explaining the scriptures to us. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and had appeared to Simon. In other words, they got back, and everybody's like, Jesus is alive. And they're like, We know. In fact, they began to relate their experiences. On the road, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And I'm going to stop reading there, but the next verse says that Jesus shows up right there in their midst and says, peace be with you, and and he has another resurrection appearance to them. I love this story because it takes place on a road. And I think all of us are on a road. I'm not trying to be whatever, but... You're on a road. You're on a journey, and we're all on a road, and and that road changes from time to time as you go through life, doesn't it? Sometimes the road is good. It's smooth. It's, I don't know, like maybe got a slight decline downhill. You got the wind at your back. It's sunny. The birds are, you know, I had somebody come to me this week saying, man, God is so good. Things are going so good in my life. Sometimes the road is smooth, and it's good, and then sometimes it's uphill, and The wind is blowing at your face and there's cold rain at you and there's like lots of rocks and stumbles and and sometimes the road is difficult. And at least for me as I read this story, I see these two men traveling on this road to Emmaus and I think it's a difficult road that they're on because they've given up everything. I mean, these are guys who had left everything to follow Jesus. They'd left behind their jobs, maybe their families, They'd spent years of their life following Jesus, believing this is the Messiah. And they were sure that the ending was going to be he's going to establish his kingdom and and, and we're going to be with him and all those good things that he promised. But instead, they watched him get betrayed. They watched him seemingly powerless against the authorities, doing nothing to save himself. And then they watched him die a gruesome death of crucifixion. That was not the ending they were expecting. And so the road that they're traveling is kind of a road of disappointment. I mean, I try to imagine Cleopas and his friend as they're walking along and they're just, they're just seeming hopeless. They're just, it's, this isn't what, in fact, they use that word hope. It's like, man, we had hoped. We had hoped he was the one. We had hoped things would turn out differently. But that's not what happened. And I can relate so much to that because even right now i feel like there are things in my life my personal life there are things in in my family life there are things in my uh, ministry life here in uganda that i had hoped things would turn out differently than they've turned out so how do we how do we live when 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 we're walking down that road and we're like i didn't see this coming i'd i'd hoped things would be differently and maybe this morning on easter sunday God has brought you here this morning because that's exactly where you're at. You're walking down a road, and right now, that road, things are turning out differently than the way you had thought God was going to do it. And it's Easter Sunday, and everybody's talking about resurrection, and they're singing songs, and everyone's baptized, and you're like, I'm not feeling it. I just... You're kind of on this road of disappointment. You're on the road to Emmaus this morning, and, and, and maybe God brought you here because this is the message you need to hear. Because here's what happens. In the midst of their hopelessness, as Cleopas and his friend are walking this road, Jesus comes out of nowhere and starts walking along beside them. And so they're traveling. It's about a seven-mile journey, which probably takes about two and a half hours to walk. And for, like, hours, Jesus is walking this road with them. And they don't even recognize it. They don't recognize him. In fact, the Bible doesn't say that they didn't recognize him. It says they were kept from recognizing him. I wonder what it was that kept them from recognizing Jesus. I mean, maybe it was his resurrected glorified body. Maybe um, you know, maybe did Jesus didn't want to be recognized at that point. But I also wonder, maybe their discouragement had blinded them. Maybe their disappointment, their hopelessness had blinded them to the truth that it was Jesus right there on that road with them, but they couldn't see that it was him, that he was there. And I think, boy, that sounds a lot like me sometimes because I'm walking down that path and and my preconceived ideas of what I thought God was going to do and what I hoped God was going to do, they don't happen. And yet I know the truth that Jesus is walking with me, that I'm not alone, I have not been abandoned, but sometimes my hopelessness or my lack of faith prevents me from seeing that he's right there with me. I think there's some promise about, lo, I'm with you sometimes. Lord, I'm with you. What's that word? Always, Always, even to the end of the age. I think there's a promise that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless you really hack me off. No, that last part's not in there. And maybe this morning... You feel like you're alone. You're walking down that road because things are disappointing. And I'm here to tell you the truth, to remind you of what you, what you already know is that Jesus is with you on that road. He's walking with you. You are not alone. He is with you. He is in you. He is walking on that road with you even though you think it's disappointing. He's there. Maybe you don't see him. Maybe you don't recognize him. But Jesus is with you this morning. And so they walk on, Cleopas and his friend and this new stranger that just shows up out of nowhere. And I just love this. He's, Jesus is like, so what are you guys talking about? And they're like, are you kidding me? You came from Jerusalem? Are you like the only person who doesn't know? What, have you been living under a rock? Actually, I've been behind a rock for three days, but that's another story. So. Yeah, thank you. Worked on that one. Yeah. But even all this, you know, Cleopas and his friend, they're, they're sad. The Bible says they looked at each other sad. And not even the testimony of the women who had came back from the tomb that morning who said, angels, he's here, not here, he's risen, the body's not there. They didn't, didn't. They still had despair. They still, it wasn't enough. And so what does Jesus do? He encourages them with the Word. He takes them to the Scripture. I love this. In in their disappointment, Jesus takes them to the living Word, living and active. The words that I speak to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. They're alive. The Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. And the Word is not going to go forth without accomplishing and succeeding what He desires. It's not going to return to Him empty. And it's going to sustain us and nourish us and feed us and encourage us and strengthen us. And it builds faith in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word word of god and so jesus the living word who was the word with god in the beginning was god the word became flesh the word comes and himself can you imagine walk along through the bible study with jesus oh that would have been good and here's jesus walking along with these guys saying let me encourage you you remember that part i bet he took them to psalm 22 those of you who were here last week we looked at psalm 22 they pierced my hands and feet. They gambled for my clothing. They're staring at me. I'm thirsty. They're, they're mocking me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's, and he's talking about the scriptures with them. And Cleopas and his friend are like, that's Jesus. He's like, yeah. I bet he took them over to Isaiah 53 where that suffering servant, the man of sorrow is well acquainted with grief. And all we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him and by his scourging his, were healed and his stripes and, and he was silent like a lamb before the shearers didn't open his mouth and they're like, that's Jesus. He's like, yeah. I bet he took him to Genesis where Abraham offered up his own son, the father who was willing to sacrifice his own son, the substitute. I mean, just walking through, and, the, and, and what does the Bible say? That their hearts are starting to catch on fire. It's like, man, God's speaking to them. See, when the, when the Word of God, when we open our hearts up, the Word changes things. It's life. It's alive. It's God's Word to us. And I love how they get to where they're going, wherever this was, Emmaus, seven miles away. And Jesus starts acting like, okay, i got to keep going. Why would he do that? Do you know why? Because Jesus isn't pushy. He's waiting for an invitation. Could I tell you this morning that Jesus is almighty God, but you still have the power to reject him. You still have been given the right by this God who created you to say no to him. He loves you. But he wants you to choose. It's your choice. And his spirit is going to help you choose. Even this morning, his spirit is saying, come, open your heart. That's kind of what the Bible says is that we have a choice. And so he's waiting for an invitation. And they say, well, why don't you come on in and stay with us? And so he comes in with them. And all of a sudden, their eyes are opened. And they recognize and they see Jesus is alive. And everything changes. Everything changes because they've had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. You see, when you meet Jesus for the first time, I mean, really meet him, and he comes to live in your life and gives you a new heart, everything changes. All of a sudden, what you thought was so important isn't so important anymore. Money is important, not as important anymore. Because there are riches more rich than money. The job's more important, careers more, not as much. Your priority, everything changes. In fact, these guys, they, I don't even know why they had to travel that Sunday to Emmaus, but it obviously must have been pretty important because they left the, 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 the angels' announcement and the women. I mean, that would have been a time you'd want to hang out and see how this plays out. You know what I'm saying? But instead, they would like, man, we get, we'd love to hang with you, but we've got to get to Emmaus. And they get to Emmaus. And all of a sudden, it's not important anymore. They're going, we're going back. Whatever was so important wasn't important anymore. Because when, when Jesus comes into your life, it changes everything. They, and, and now what's really cool is they're walking back on the exact same road. This road that was disappointing. It was sad. It was difficult. It was hard. Same road, but now things are different. They got a new perspective. That's what happens when, you know, when Jesus comes into your life, it doesn't just mean, poof, everything will be wonderful. You know, God will take away all your problems and you'll be rich and you'll never have struggles again. That's not true. But you know what God will do is he'll give you a new set of glasses and your eyes will be opened perspective changes, and you begin to see the world the way God, and you see things from God's worldview when you get into God's Word and you allow Him to change your mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind, and so it's the same road. But all of a sudden, we realize, wait a minute, this road isn't everything there is. Death isn't everything. Listen, here's 80 years of life. (laughs) There's eternity. Changes your perspective. I'm not living to build up riches so that I can retire. And it's like I'm building up riches in heaven. New perspective. Same road. I love this. New passion. It took them two and a half hours to travel from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They got there. They were hungry. They were tired. It was almost dark. And they decided to go back. How much you want to bet they got back quicker than they got there? You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, they cut some time on their return trip. They were like, dude, let's go, right? I mean, they had a new energy, a new passion, a new fire, a new life. Hope, excitement, and a new purpose. It's like, we got to get back. We got to get with the church. We got to tell them what God's done. We got to sell. You know what's so cool is they come back and they say, we met Jesus, and, and, and here's what he did in our lives. And then they're telling him, oh, we met Jesus, and here's what he did in our lives. And then Jesus shows up in the midst of them. You know what that is? That should be every Sunday morning. That you come to church, and you're like, wow, here's what God said to me this week, and here's what Jesus did, and that causes someone else to worship. And then they say, oh, man, here's what Jesus did in my life, and that causes you to worship. And then you get together, and where two or three are gathered in the midst, Jesus is there they're celebrating their things have changed and i want to say that in about 5 minutes or so as we come to the end of this message there's going to be an invitation this morning and just like jesus was waiting for an invitation from cleopas and his friend to to come on in and and stay with us in fact that Word is abide with us. Why don't you dwell with us? Why don't you stay with us? That's the exact same invitation Jesus is waiting to receive from you. He's the God of this universe, but you have the right to close your heart and say no, or you have the right to open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. At the end of the service, we're going to have some of our pastors, some of our prayer leaders will be up here. There's a prayer room in the back. After the service, you can go for prayer. And if you've never responded to the gospel and said yes, we would like to show you how this morning you can open your heart up and just trust in Jesus. He's wait- You know, the Bible says uh, that, that Jesus is pictured on the outside of a door, and he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. See, that's where he wants to live. This isn't about church. It's not about religion. It's about God coming to you, wanting to have a fellowship with you, wanting to have a relationship with you, wanting you to be his child. When did Cleopas and his friend recognize Jesus? Bible says it was in the breaking of the bread. That's pretty cool. I'm not exactly sure if there was a special way that Jesus broke bread and prayed and gave thanks that all of a sudden, I don't know if it had something to do with communion or the Last Supper. Maybe they were there the last night when Jesus said, this is my body and, and this, is, this cup represents my blood, drink and remember to me. Maybe it was that, but could I also suggest that as Jesus would break the bread and give thanks and tear the bread and then hand the bread to them, what would they see? They would be like, oh, it's him. And as soon as they saw it was him, he's gone. But was he really gone? I think they knew he was there the whole time. That's why the whole trip went back, was so excited. He didn't have to physically be there. They had the eyes of faith, they knew. They recognized those hands, the same hands that calmed the storm, the same hands that healed the sick, the same hands that reached out to them. And could it be this morning that Jesus is reaching out his hand to you and waiting for an invitation? But you have to personally make the decision. Your mom can't make it for you. Your dad can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your kids can't make it for you. You get to decide yourself. And before I close, let me just... Talk this morning to the church. I know that you're here this morning. You're a Christian. You've, you've been born again. You've trusted Christ. You've been baptized. You know you have eternal life. I want you to be encouraged by that promise of eternal life today. But maybe you're on the road. And right now, it's hard. Right now, the road you're on, it's like I had hoped. I had hoped it would be different. And the message I believe that God wants you to hear this morning is that maybe you're not recognizing that He's with you on this road right now. And He's got a plan at the end. We seldom get to choose the road we walk on. The message is we never walk alone. When I became a pastor a long time ago, there was a poem, it was overused, it was kind of cheesy, I kind of got tired of it, and I'm guessing a lot of you, or maybe even most of you know it, but as a generation passes, I'll bet that there's some of you who've never heard this poem. So I'm going to read it this morning. It's about footprints. And the Bible says, uh, the Bible says. Uh, the, the poem says that one night a man had a dream, and he dreamed he was walking along a beach with the Lord, and across the sky there flashed, scenes from his life. And for each scene in his life, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him, one belonging to the Lord, because he's always walking with us. But as he looked back at the footprints in the sand, he noticed there were many times in the path of life that there was only one set of footprints. And he also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. And this really bothered him. And so he questioned the Lord. And he said, Lord, I noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, there's only one set of footprints. And I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would abandon me. And the Lord said, I love you and I'll never leave you. But during your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. God speaks to us this morning through an empty tomb. He's alive. Christ is alive in us. We have eternal life. He's always with us. He made his promises. He's good to his word. And as you're traveling this road this morning and you're struggling, I want you to ask God to give you the eyes of faith to not allow your disappointment or your discouragement in what you had hoped for to blind you from the truth that Jesus is walking right beside you. And allow his word to encourage you. You've got to open it. You, you made a good decision. You came to, to church this morning. Hallelujah. We do this every Sunday. <laughs> I just thought I would mention it. You can come back next week. We do this every Sunday. And allow His Word to encourage you and speak to you. And maybe even tomorrow when you wake up in the morning... Set your alarm 15 minutes early and open up the Word and listen and really listen. And if you open your heart up, God will give you what you need. He'll give you the strength you'll need. He'll encourage you. He'll remind you. It's like, wow, Lord, that's exactly the Word I needed. And it wasn't just a coincidence because we have to look for Him. He's there. He's always there. But if we allow the disappointment and the discouragement to blind us, then we can believe the lie that he's not there.